Hidden in plain sight captures stories of the rainbow community in the Hepburn Shire. As well as the more well-known and recognised names, we also wanted to hear from everyday people. This includes those living, working, raising families and running businesses in the local community. Not everyone who identifies as belonging to the rainbow community is visible. Okay, so to our listeners for Hidden in Plain Sight, we have decided to ask Amanda back to our table for a part two because we feel, and Amanda feels, that we have a little bit more of a story to share. So with great pleasure, do we introduce Amanda Marks for an extended version (laughs) of a beautiful conversation. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, where do we start? Well, where did we finish? <laughs> we we actually did seventeen to seventy last time, so we got. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put that out there. <laughs> okay, so I'm so, seventy in a bit. <laughs> that's few, that's As you said, what we didn't we didn't go into depth in some of the things that were really relevant, and I guess part of that was, or one of those topics was gender uh, gender fluidity, <laughs> and um, we touched on that in some of your experiences with the sessions with Doctor. Yako. Yako. Yeah. But but we did get off Beautiful on a tangent man. after that. So <laughs> we did. that may be a good we did. point. We did to... indeed. Look, uh, I I did reflect on our conversation and I, I loved it. It was great. God, taking me back to primary school. Whoa. <laughs> that hasn't happened for a long time. So that was a lot of fun. But I felt in relation to hidden in plain sight my evolution from that primary school boy to my current gender fluidity needed a little bit of padding out to as much as you and I know you both know me very well and as much as I do like to be that positive blue sky glass half full person which I am I've always been an optimist. The reality of my exploration of who I am has come at a cost. And I I guess the, the hardest part for me of that cost has been um, losing my marriage, which even though that was 15 years ago now, um, 10 years since we were divorced because we separated to think about it and work out where we were going. Um, To lose that 30-year relationship and Jan did chase me for seven years before I caught her, so 37 years of getting to know each other and being lucky enough to have married my very, very best friend and then be responsible for seeing that disappear is a pretty serious downside that I just felt needed to be acknowledged. Wow, I'm kind of almost triggered by the idea that you take this responsibility as 
I mean, oh, you look at the times and how difficult that would have been to have actually confronted yourself. That's a really, I'm glad you said that because it was me I was confronting. Uh, responsible? There was, there was no pathway for you to follow. In fact, the people that we're finding we're talking to are the path breakers. And the there was nothing. This is it. So it hurts for me to hear you say that this is a responsible, you were responsible for that. When in actual fact, there was actually no umbrella for you to walk away under. Look, it's, it's a dilemma I'll probably uh, toss around till the day I die. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, had I been that um, British old school, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, suck it up princess, get on with it. Um, when you were going down this path, mm. were you ever tempted to, to do that? Every day. Every Because single... of what you were losing? Yeah, well, your family, the, your... the potential damage I was causing, I didn't know I was going to lose it then. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to be married to someone who was incredibly understanding, did not like it, full stop, mm. but unbelievably kind. And I, was I being kind? I'm not sure. Well, it's it's touching on a raw nerve immediately well, at I think the table it, it's, here. It's, yeah, we're very, well, for all of us, for yeah, me. Yeah. But I just felt I needed to be honest about this because it is a raw nerve and it's not all roses and blue yeah. sky. It's there, There's yeah. another side to this coin that I felt for all the right reasons we needed to explore. Now, this isn't wrist-slashingly awful. This is me attempting to be somewhat brutally honest and say this is the cost of me being Amanda. I also had a son and daughter to consider. I was very lucky when it came out that I was exploring another part of who I was, who I am. Uh, because Ben at the time was at uni and we caught up regularly. I, I, was, um, I was in corporate life at the very tail end of that time and then at the very start of my creative studies at uni, my um, creative arts industries degree. And I got a call from Ben one afternoon and he said, Dad, we haven't caught up for a while. And I said, no, no, we haven't. How about we go to the Fox and grab some dinner, have a drink, you know, as we did every couple of weeks. The Fox, Brunswick. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous spot. Yeah. I said, yeah, great idea. Um, see you this afternoon, see you tonight. So I arrived, sat down, Ben sat down, and he said, I know about Amanda. Are you okay? Oh. 
do I need to talk to mum? Needless to say, I'm, as we are in this minute, got my heart in my mouth. But this beautiful boy, young man, was concerned for me and his mum. What can I do to help? Um, and we had a wonderful night, you know, we chatted and that was superb. You know, I have to say, he is my angel. Can Good. see why. We're <laughs> <laughs> just passing it to you. <laughs> so, sorry, guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> True story. No, no, the beauty of a child, oh. or the beauty of, of someone that loves you dearly. Well, that's the bottom line. Now, that was uh, not being a, a God person, that was a godsend mm. to me. There and then. We've always been besties. He's still my best friend. And, um, you know, we, 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 we had some very serious chats that night. We had some laughs. He, um, this was back in the day, and I'm probably talking ooh, 15 years. So it was quite a while ago. And um, I was very new to social media. Miss Amanda had a uh, Facebook account. <laughs> what did she just? Oh, Facebook. That's how he found out. He did indeed. Because being oh, no. the doofus I am with... <laughs> Technology. Technology. <laughs> you trusted yourself over a younger gen. <laughs> Not a hope in hell. So Ben's online and a friend of a friend, maybe a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, had some photos online with this person who was with a whole bunch of people he knew, making comments about stuff that he knew about, that I knew about, and he knew I knew about. Oh, dear me. There's a bit of Monty Python for you. You just outed yourself I did. massively. Massively. <laughs> but the funny thing was, his initial impression was, oh, dear me. Oh, no. Dad's having an affair. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> With this Amanda person. <laughs> well, he was kind of right. He, he just was wasn't kind of cruel right. sinister. He wasn't. <laughs> or deceitful. So it was not. So yeah. as I said, we laughed. We we had some serious conversation and a little bit of a, a mm. tissue moment there. Most importantly, what fell out of that was how's mum? Because he was equally concerned for his mum as he was mm. for me, for Jan. And that's only right that he would be. Very even-handed angel. Um, and Belle, who's four years younger than Ben, wasn't in the loop at that point in time. Uh, she was in year 12, so busy time of year, and both Jan and I had discussed when this should be disclosed. Well... Not, not in the middle of a year 12 exam. No. It's funny, not a, isn't it? Timing no. is important. Look, it is important. Yeah. Once again, somewhat sadly, because of my ineptitude with technology, Belle did find out a few months later. And unlike Ben, she was upset, incredibly upset, 
incredibly cross. Um, she has inherited my feisty uh, perspective. Seventeen disposition. Old girls, though. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't take her on ever. <laughs> She's a takes takes no prisoners girl. That she'd be proud of. I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah. Um, gorgeous girl. So that was a difficult time, which I have to take full responsibility for. And uh, it was difficult for a couple of years. So Jan and I had already separated by this time, but had not divorced. So the family still got together regularly. Um, we all did the best, the very best we could. But at the end of the day, whatever angst, whatever upset, whatever tears and disappointments there were, I had to take full responsibility for, and to this day still do. Because these were the three people in the world that I loved the most and wanted to upset the least. And weaving that path has been difficult, but I will, would have to say that each of us, in our own way, has have persevered and we have come out the other end 99% really good. I, I, I say 99 because to be 100% is a bit of a fairy tale. It's not realistic. Which I would, it's yeah. not realistic. I would love, but it's not going to happen. So let's, let's be happy with 99%. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good glass half full-ish That's a very full glass. Well, yeah. 99% yeah. I'd be happy, but that's just a bit of spill. It's a bit. It's a bit. Um, so that, in a nutshell, is the downside of my optimistic blue sky view of life, which I'd like to think the four of us have come through. Um, there are grandchildren which will know that story down the track years from now, and I can only imagine will not even blink because we're in a different world. Mm. They know their papa so well already. It'll just be another, oh, God, is that all? Send us some more poo pictures of animals <laughs> on the bush tracks. <laughs> um, you know, they might not be phased or fussed to see a performance photo of me in full flight. Yeah. Uh, and they don't have to be. But at least they will have a full, honest, 100% view of who I am as a human. And I'm confident that both Ben, when he's about to get married next month, um, if he's lucky enough to have children, if that's what they want, and Belle's boys, I've, I'm very confident that they'll just sort of brush aside who I am and, and um, say, well, you know, are we going walking or riding or, you know, playing with the train set? 
rather than brush aside, maybe just accept. Well, and, correct. And, and it's that whole thing that we all deal with. It's more our own stuff than it is anyone else's. A lot well, that's of the true. Time. That's true. And you talk about the impact and the potential casualties that came with your exploration. But bottom line, most of us find that we're just absolutely approved of, loved. I don't think that's universal, though. I, I know you're saying 99. Yes. Yeah. But in the long run, you're probably in as good a place as you could be with your family. Would Look, that be? I'd, I'd like to think so. I'm particularly sad about Jan and myself mm. because, you know, this is she's a beautiful human. Um, we shared a massive slice of life. Do you mind if I ask... Um, when you say that Ben came to you first at the Fox that night, yeah. does that mean that he found out before Jan? Oh, no, no, no. Jan was well across it. We had many, That's what I was thinking, many, yeah. many long and to a large extent boring conversations. Mm -hmm. It was the same conversation repeated a thousand times. In a vain attempt, I suspect, on my part to gain full acceptance from her, which I never did, which I never had to. It's yeah. not, and this is something I have discovered mentoring at RMIT and through my experience at Melbourne Uni with their anthropology students, that with a lot of younger LGBTXYZ cohorts that I come across, at 17 or 23 or however old, there's a little bit of a prevalence towards this is who I am and I must be accepted by everyone I deal with yeah. and if they don't, I'm going to write them off. Now, at 17, to say you're going to write your family off because they get your pronouns wrong is, to my mind a pretty harsh conclusion to draw. Every circumstance is different, but my advice by and large is always, maybe keep your powder dry, just for a little bit longer. And I would say to them outright, because I'm gonna get your pronouns wrong. And I'm here to help. I don't I'm do it to, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing, going to do it deliberately, but I will make a mistake. And your, parent, your family will get it wrong no matter how much they want to come alongside on this journey. So I, I don't know, I've distracted myself then. Um, I think we're talking about not everyone gets accepted. No, yeah, they you don't. You've no, actually don't. got Silver lining journey. the three people most important to you. Yeah. And close. Who I'm in. Still. Who I'm well, in... All came for your 70th birthday. Correct. Correct. Which I know was a big thing. It was massive. It yeah. was just the best three days ever. And we just did what we've always done. Mm. We sat, we chatted, we ate, we had a little bit to drink. Oh, I might have had a bit more than a little bit. <laughs> What's your birthday? <laughs> 70 to 70. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but a lot of people was... don't get that, no. do they? And I think the advice I'm in the lucky position to be able to give to yeah. some of that cohort who I'm fortunately advising is it wasn't always 
that good for me. Mm. We had times that were awful. However, by each of us hanging in there and remembering to be kind to each other, mm. remembering that, you know what, we actually love each other. That's underneath. That's never gone away. We are always going to love each other. And the things that have happened along the way, they haven't been nice. They've been very upsetting. But we haven't thrown all that out and walked away, never to speak again, never to see each other again. We've always hung in. And, you know, Ben rings me five, six times a week just to say hi. You know, Belle with her, she's a young mum, two little boys, exhausted, but she'll ring, she'll send a video of what the boys are doing. You know, just little things that maintain that connection because we've each and every one of us, no matter how weird and wonderful I've chosen to be, have decided that there is an underlying humanity to who we are that is far more important. Anyway, I just thought it was important to not just be all happy days. Yeah, but to share the struggle that... It has been a struggle. Yeah. And, you know, to a certain extent, you know, in my crying into the bottom of the wine glass moments, you know, thinking of what could have been, which could never have been. But, you know, we do or I do have these wonderings, maybe, what if, and then realising that, of course, it could never be. You know, each and every one of us have to be honest to ourselves and true to who we are. And as long as we're not, you know, mass murderers or whatever, and that that truth is authentic and, you know, honest and kind, By and large, the vast majority of people I come across and who I optimistically think are the population out there will be accepting. Warts and all, not perfect, never will be, but doing the best I can. (laughs) I think maybe, I mean, I'm not a parent, but... No, oh, we made it up, I can assure you. <laughs> I reckon everyone there was no there does. was no Dr. Spock manual in our household. <laughs> we just no doing it by the numbers. But we did spend a lot of time. Not quality time, just time. Together. A lot of restauranting. Friday night restaurants, that was our go. Pasta night That's a family sitting at a table. Oh, just yeah. so you know, end of the week, oh, how'd the week go? That was crap. That was fun. I'm tired. Sleep in tomorrow, guys. We can all sleep in tomorrow. (laughs) And, you know, just time. Every school holiday, a week away together, two weeks at Christmas, chilling. You know, doing no, never planning, just time. Chocolate raspberry homemade ice cream at Fresno Peninsula. Oh, yum. <laughs> I've never Fresno, forgotten in it. Tassie? Yeah, in Tassie. Oh. We went down for a couple of weeks and stopped at Fresno and um, 
it somehow or other discovered this homemade chocolate fresh raspberry ice cream that I have to this day never forgotten. And the kids the same. You know, whenever I ask them, oh, what's your favourite ice cream, guys? <laughs> Raisin A. Uh, <laughs> probably one of my favourite peaches. I've oh, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous. Wine glass bay. Yeah. 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 We did the wine glass bay walk. So, you know, those sort of things, um, you can never forget them. And, um, you know, even they're a big part of, they're as much a part of Miss Amanda's life as they are of Mark's or whoever I'm in the mood to be. It's so beautiful that that's how you identify and that is how everyone sees you. No one questions. Oh, well, well, the people that I know know you. No one I'm aware of questions Yeah. You. And we did discuss that last time. I can flesh that out just a smidge more because I've got the anthropology seminar coming up in a couple of months. Is this the RMIT? Uh, this one's Melbourne Uni. Oh. And it's our 10th year of doing these seminars. And the first thing they say is, oh, how do you identify? And they're normally saying pronouns. And I simply say he or she, which I'm still very, very comfortable with. And the reason for that is that I want whoever is doing that identifying to me to be comfortable. It's, not, it's simply not important to me to force that on someone else. I don't need to. I do understand how important it is for some other people, but this is my journey. I'm not, it's the only one I have to be concerned about. And I will endeavor to respect whatever somebody else's journey is at all times. I then add to that he or she to be a little more technical or specific being now settling into this gender fluid skin that I'm in, if I was to analyse it, I am genetically male. Can't change that, no matter what. Hormonally, since I've been on oestrogen for, gee, nearly 10 years now, every blood test that comes back is 99% hormonally female. Psychologically, probably both, because I chop and change. I'm a bit beastly careless these days. Physiologically, a bit of both. Clearly somewhat androgynous, but having the smallest A cup on the planet, <laughs> a little bit girly. Teacup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, that pretty firmly, to my view of the world, puts me in a very gender-fluid situation. Yeah. So if I want to frock up and get my pretty on, I rarely get anyone blinking. You know, it's pretty seamless, I think. Yeah. If I want to put my flanny on and my gum boots, pretty seamless. <laughs> so um, I, I just thought it would be important to flesh out the details of that gender fluidity a bit more. Absolutely. Along with the story, but that's mm. just a tiny bit of... You uh, said last time that mm. you, you came right in between 
We did eight, um, on the analysis the, that Yako did. But yeah. you, your your preference was to be a little bit towards the softer females. Yeah, it was. Like, Still is. Do you think with the hor- mm-hmm. the hormone treatment that that has made a difference in that respect? I don't really think so. What do you think the difference is that that has made for you? Look, oh, that's a really good question. Beyond the A cup, there might be a smidge of a of comfort in leaning psychologically to the feminine side of the spectrum which I can feel very relaxed and comfortable in. Um, now, a lot of that could just be my reaction against a lifetime of macho bully boys and, and you know, living in the patriarchy, which I've never been a fan of. So... Is that the hormones? Is that me psychologically just thinking, I don't like that crap? Just being yourself? Just being, letting, being, letting yourself be yourself? Correct. Being allowed to be a little bit softer and comfortable in that. Not having to, you know, chest someone to get my point across. Shirt front? Shirt front. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the one. You know, it's apart from it being incredibly boring and me mostly coming off second best anyway, um, why would I bother? You know, we only have to look at history. If girls had run the planet for the last couple of centuries, would we have had those wars? No, I don't think so. Did girls start those kerfuffles? I don't think so. Would girls have sent their children to war? Of course they would not. As I said in in the last session, at those Vietnam moratorium marches I went to, it was the grandmothers who stood out, mm-hmm. not the 18, 17, 18-year-olds about to be sent off to war, but the grandmothers who, under no circumstance, wanted their grandsons, their great-grandsons, to ever, ever have to go through that. Now, I think there's a part of my psychology that wants that, that perspective of life. And I know, you know, women can be very feisty and rightly so and should be, but by and large, they have a different way of dealing with difficulty and with disagreement. Oh, it can be very passive. God, you won't know what you've done wrong for months. (laughs) That is the downside sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I have seen that with my mum. Yeah, that's very true. Dear old thing that she was. Um, but look, it, it's an intriguing journey to be straddling both sides mm. of that, which the older I get, the easier it probably is. But I did feel it was important to um, discuss the downside mm. and just not for any other reason, you know, we're, we're good, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I just, I just want to be very open and honest. Well, you want it to be relative to the... The young kids that are actually in the same situation as you I do. to be able to hear our story. I do, I yeah. do. And, you know, know that it's not easy, but to know that there's a possibility of it ending well for everyone. Um, as Rosie said, 
there are certainly instances where mm. that is not the case and I, I never want to in any way belittle that situation. That's a nightmare to me and needs the whole village to come around and support because there are those occasions where, for whatever reason, situations are irreconcilable. Hopefully less and less as time goes by. Uh, and if we look at our queer history, I think that picture is being painted. Yeah, I would agree. And I do feel very optimistic for the future where that's concerned. God, we've just had World Pride in Sydney. I know. I, I didn't go. Everyone I've spoke to who went, everything I've seen on telly, this is smile heaven, smile central. I mean, talk about a happy fest. I think it was also the first... Pride event where an Australian Prime Minister actively marched. It was. It was. The march. Yeah. it was. He opened Just the event and he marched across um, Sydney Harbour mm. Bridge. You know, the first Prime Minister to do that. So yeah. what is that saying about the leadership of at least this country? Oh, and God. Yeah, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank mm. you. Yeah. So that that's very good indeed. But it also comes back the people like you and Rosie and I whose stories are relative because there was an element of us having to battle through yes. the prejudices of Correct. not having that kind of support yeah. Yeah. and I think you know that's just answered my own <laughs> stuff from way back but yeah I guess. our stories are building and as time goes by those stories become more resonant because they gather strength because we're still here we're and, not going anywhere. And we've got a journey that yeah. can be documented. Correct. As to where, how, where it's come from. And Correct. Where it's Which is a wonderful story. It's interesting. And I, I really wanted to ask this mm. group this question, but I read on a Facebook post today because the big rainbow has gone up in Dalesford. Has it? Mm. Yes. Today? And for me, it's, it's ironic a little bit. I have to support it, but it's ironic because... It's sponsored by Tinder, and Tinder was an originally anti-gay platform for oh, dating. Really? So I, I kept my mouth shut on some of the posts. I was removed from one of them when I made that statement. Mm-hmm. But a friend who was a Vietnam vet mm-hmm. posted the rainbow, and he's all he's all supportive. And yep. someone else jumped on and said, um, "I'm just so sick of this. Why can't we all just have no labels now?" That was triggering for me because I agree, but this person isn't gay. That's a whole different story then. Thank you. So I would like to know what the people of this table think about that because I'm and Rosie and I, we want to get to the point where we are not labelled, where Um, we can just fit in. Yes, I'm I'm in between still though because, and I think with Sophie and Izzy, Izzy, we had this discussion a little bit. And I'm probably of that in between. I want to claim the label because it didn't exist when I was. Yeah. There was there was no one claiming the label visibly. Yeah. Didn't say claiming the label can be empowering. Yes. And I support that. Yes. If that's what someone wants, I personally would like. I don't need a label at all. That's no. my response. But, my response was that. Yes. But are we there yet? 
No, yeah. short answer is no. Yes. We're getting there. Yes. Which is why we've just had World Pride. Correct. Yes. And I think yeah. we're getting close. Yeah. However, should an individual want to claim that label? And I, some years ago when I was asked, oh, what label do you use? I really liked queer. Mm. I thought I found queer a very empowering it, label. Whereas, whereas I find it difficult because of the abuse you effing queer. Correct. I embraced it for the same reason African-Americans have been able to embrace and own the N-word. Now, I can't use that with them. I don't have yeah, permission to do that. But they can very proudly, very happily they, use I it. I am. Correct. And you just explained my, you just absolutely summed up my question mm. by saying that because a straight person doesn't have the right to strip us of our label. No, they don't. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. So that was that just summed it all up. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <That's> okay. <laughs> now, have we covered the sort of things I suggested we might have missed out on? Are there other things? Well, do I think you feel confident that you have had the story that you want to have the impact? I do. I do. I, you know, I think that, that that's sort of covered, you know, most of the cost of me being who I am. You know, there's a tiny aspect of my life as it is, having lost my marriage, that means I have to come to grips with a degree of loneliness, being single. And... At this age and stage of life, not imagining that that is going to change. So, you know, I'm not the only person on the planet that's on their own. So it, it then means weaving a path for the future that isn't a coupledom, coupledom yeah. that's a word, but a me living life and hopefully giving something um, that is doable on my own. Having this village that I've accidentally fallen into is a massive. Do you help. believe in accidents like that? No, I don't believe. In, <laughs> I don't believe in coincidence at all. I do not. I don't know what it is, but um, so many, you know, things coming together and half a degrees of separation mm. between the friends I've come across and the community that has just grown like topsy around being here in this part of the world with this, this amazingly diverse group of people, just cross-class, cross, you name it, just oh, everything you can imagine that has fallen into this melting pot and, you know, by and large dissolved a lot of that loneliness that could have been there had I not been this lucky and um, you know that's you know that's a very minor aspect of where life the life journey is taking me minor or major well yeah <laughs> the village is massively yeah. major yeah. Um, and you know a, a huge part of diminishing that loneliness to just a blip yeah. that many many people um, will go through 
through losing a partner in older age and you name it, be it divorce or whatever the circumstance might be. It's, it's a bridge that the vast majority of us will cross at some point in time. Uh, and just being able to do it, hopefully, is more of a grown-up than I was at 17. Keep going back to that 17-year-old. Yeah, it's the There's still a point, bit of that it? there. Well, the fact that you're still sitting in that inner <laughs> child at some points, you know, we all do that, I'm sure mm-hmm. we do. I hope so. But there is something else that Rosie wanted to bring up. Ah, oh, now... Would you like to share with us? Well, I don't know what Mona? either of you are talking well, about. Well, no, do I actually, but I just got told to now, ask Now, that's a funny yeah. story Thank because you. the photo you put up from the last interview was from Mona. I wondered about that afterwards. Mm. Just that headshot. I think it might be six years ago. It's not that long ago. I got a call from a cinematographer who'd been given my name. Oh, hello, I'm so-and-so and and, um, I'm doing this movie and it's been suggested that you might be interested in participating. We're putting together about a dozen gender diverse individuals and we're going out to the country. Uh, We've got a massive trampoline and we're hoping for a lovely blue sky day, a few clouds, with this group of people floating through the air on my ultra, ultra slow motion camera. So you clouds. Clouds. You'll I'm be yes, it. you have. Oh. So you'll be floating through the air, the clouds in the background, blue sky a beautiful soundtrack. We've uh, had a piece of music uh, being written just for this movie. Oh, and by the way, you'll be nude. Oh. I said, great idea. (laughs) How fantastic. Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) Thanks for the call. (laughs) And beautiful, beautiful person that uh, the cinematographer is very cleverly said ah that's okay pretty much everyone says that would you mind if I sent you an example of my work this was done last year underwater same slow motion camera a lot of bubbles a lot of gossamer um, material and I'll ring you tomorrow and tell me what you think. So, um, said cinematographer rings back next day and says, what did you think? And I said, absolutely beautiful. One of the most magical, beautiful piece of cinematography I've ever seen. Um, And I've had to think about it. And for some weird reason, I'm actually going to go with my heart, not my head. I'm in. So a short time later, a bunch of us go off to, it was actually the back of Lancefield. Oh, So Yeah, yeah, not that far away. Middle of nowhere, massive property, very private. And I knew one other person there, no one else. 
and this group of people stood around. It was a freezing day, <laughs> absolutely freezing. Everything was that big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fortunately, this is this that is was, audio. For the listeners, that was about three mil. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're all standing around, very rugged up. And um, the first thing we did was the uh, two stuntmen came out to show us how to use the trampoline, surrounded by masses of foam rubber and all sorts of things, so no one would get hurt, told us how we were to jump and what we were to do and where they would be positioned if anyone went awry. So that was very important. Cinematographer then said, we've got a crew here the lunch guys, the rest of the film crew, no one will be looking at this other than me, the two stuntmen, and I think there might have been an assistant. Everyone else is banned from this set. So your only decision is to whether you are happy to do this in front of us. Forget the fact that this was then going to show up somewhere in... Yeah, no, for anyone to access. <laughs> so this was all very comforting. So we did the jumpy, jumpy stuff. Bits going this way and that, and bits and bolts. But that was a lot of fun. And then they did the headshots that you saw, that still. Yep. That, and there's a very, very slow motion version of that still with just a bit of wind, a bit of hair blowing across my face in my case, and the same with everyone else, that was filmed and run in conjunction with the floaty stuff through the air. Because what they did um, at Gertrude Contemporary was have, I think they had seven screens, and we're talking massive yeah. wall-sized <laughs> screens, all showing what was going on at once with this gorgeous soundtrack in the background. Just the most amazing experience ever. And then the whole thing had been commissioned by David Walsh at Mona. So he'd sponsored the whole thing, paid for the lot. And uh, we all went down to Mona for the um, unveiling. And part of that was having it shown at Mona for their summer festival, Mona Foma. And the Tasmanian Symphony Orchestra did a Saturday night performance of the music with the cinema in the background. So I couldn't get a ticket. And I was put on a wait list, got a call on the Saturday, we've got a ticket. I said, it's mine, it's mine. <laughs> I'm there. Went along, front row. Not just a ticket. Yeah sat next to a beautiful older couple and we're chatting away, chat, chat, chat. And they said, oh, I said, I'm so lucky. I got this ticket today. I've been hanging out. And they said, well, there's a reason for that. That was our daughter's ticket. She had to go back to Melbourne for work. I said, thank you, thank you, please thank her. Uh, we sat there, listened to the symphony performance, watched the film. And I said, uh, what did you think? And they said, that was stunning. That was amazing. Just blew us away. Oh, Kate Miller-Heidke singing. Love. Yeah. God, be still my beating heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then as I was leaving, I said, please thank your daughter for me. 
and tell her that you were sitting next to one of the nudies on film. Yeah. And what did they have? I don't know. No, not a no clue. Idea. They were speechless. Were you Amanda? Or did you oh, yeah, was Amanda yeah. that yeah, night? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it was dark and yeah. Yeah, I was there for, you know, three seconds of fame. <laughs> but they thought, they were just amazed. They said, that's the best story ever. <laughs> ah, so there you okay. go. Amazing. So there have been some upsides to this mm. weird and wonderful life and lots of others, you know. The, well, it's life. It's life, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and just a tiny, tiny smidge of bravery. And um, I will never forget it. It was just such a nice thing. But the headshots for me were the best because you're just staring down the barrel of the camera. An occasional blink in slow motion and a bit of hair. You know, and I just thought, wow, that is... And I think they were in black. Oh, no, they're in colour. Um, but just amazing. Beautiful work. Congratulations. Um, and it feeds my artistic sensibility. Yeah. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I thought, just to finish, one short poem. Absolutely. Oh, yes, please. It's only one stanza longer than last time. And the the two stanzas I wrote to bookend a story I did not that many years ago, probably 10 years ago, as part of Miss Amanda's coming out, so to speak. It's written in Onyegin stanzas. So Pushkin wrote the verse story, Eugene Onyegin, which was then turned into a ballet, which some listeners might be more familiar with. The Australian Ballet did it a couple of years ago, and it's just the most beautiful, stunning, historical Russian ballet. Just gorgeous. Pushkin invented this stanza format, rhyme scheme. So you'd be familiar with Shakespearean, Spencerian, etc., etc. These have masculine and feminine endings because it's Russian. And the language has masculine and feminine endings. So for Miss Amanda, for my gender fluidity, there could not be a better sonnet verse form so there we go that's the lesson lesson over (laughs) and this is called one perfect day it was just a glimpse i caught of you not quite enough to fill the gap between the knowing and deja vu this mirror image to unwrap reflected there behind the mask that begs the question I must ask. One perfect day I'll be that me you know I was always meant to be. That day will come, this pretense end. No longer so misunderstood, the truth revealed of my manhood. This broken thing only I can mend. That perfect day will come, I'm sure. I'll be that me forevermore. I met you in my dreams, the wish I made come true. This lie I've lived, not what it seems, you came to my rescue. Across the years we were apart, you came to me with all your heart. No thought that hidden then from view, 
those dreams would one day be you. Testimony to your birthright, the truth revealed for all to see, the me I was always meant to be, my secret sister of the night, your mirror image now recast, that perfect day has come at last. There's the me, once upon a time, and there is Miss Amanda coming out. <laughs> I was wondering who that was. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the, the first Bear yes. Grills? Yeah. How could you not know? <laughs> Bit of facial hair, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, uh, we've all got a once upon a time. Oh well. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's been an absolute delight. And this is officially the very first podcast we've needed a roll of toilet paper <laughs> on the table. Just so it was a box of tissues. To mop up our tears. Oh, and just, sorry. Uh, no, oh, no, sorry. no, no. It's the it's the beauty um, that comes from there we go. Um, your That's children one. and oh, the the absolute. Seeing they're the real angels. They're the real angels. Yeah. And yeah, that was just a really, really special moment. And and thank you so much for sharing that portion of the journey. Absolute yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Amanda. Cheers, guys. Hidden in Plain Sight is brought to you by us, Rosie Hill and Mel Thomas. It is produced in the Hepburn Shire, Jajawarong country, soon to be the land of the big rainbow. We thank you, our listeners, for listening. We would especially like to thank our guests who have agreed to be interviewed. It isn't something we take for granted, and we deeply appreciate their trust in us and bringing their story to you. We hope our conversations have inspired you, but if it has also raised uncomfortable feelings or recalled difficult events in your own life, please reach out for support. Some ways available for help are Gay and Lesbian Switchboard, Rainbow Door, 1-800-729-367. Also, SMS and email support are available. Lifeline, 131114. And Beyond Blue, 1300 224 636.